Stopping now. Stop this now. My microphone's all screwed up. We should just leave this in, right? I think it's perfect. It's recording for Christ's sake. Okay, here we go again. And welcome to episode 53 of Chid Music. It's a podcast read by Fangrass in once again cold DeKalb. We had a little fake spring in cold DeKalb, Illinois. I'm Kevin Goldstein. Joining me this week, returning to the revolving co-host chair, from the beautiful city of San Francisco, California. It's Fangrass very own Ben Clemens. Ben, how are you? I'm doing well. It is it's not really cold here. It's it's in the fifties, but uh sunny, so nice. Yeah. San Francisco. San Francisco. It's sunny? Yeah. That's um, something. You'll take it. It rained this morning. That that actually is great. Of so course it did. It's kind of intermittent. I it's like the first time it's rained in a month. Um we're going to have like a brief show for you today. There's a lot of stuff going on work-wise or a lot of stuff going on non-work-wise. All of it good. Don't worry. And uh, But we're just going to do a quick, real quick for us. We'll see how long we talk. Yeah, last week's supposed to be quick too, for Christ's sake. Um, but you know, not a ton to talk about other than, you know, bad things. So we'll talk about yeah. labor. Um, I want to talk. I was going to interject. You said there's a ton of stuff going on in baseball. All of it good. I, yeah, you know. <laughs> We'll talk about what's going on and, and, and what has gone on in terms of the labor negotiations. I, I want to talk uh, about uh, adjacently a piece that Ben wrote about the Atlanta Braves, who are um, in a strange position in the sense that their finances are public because they are publicly traded. Um, and then we'll talk about, I kind of want to talk about uh, Derek Jeter leaving the Marlins and specifically the kind of um, politi- politicalization of that. Is that the right word? Is that, did I say that word right? That doesn't sound right coming out of my mouth. It sounds wrong, but I, I talk about tell politi- you where. politicizing his statement. Bam. That's a word. Um, and then we're going to talk briefly about the zeitgeist of the video game world. It is Elden Ring. We're both playing because we are masochists. So let's start with labor. Um, after nine days in a row of negotiating in Florida, um, agreement was not reached. Uh, Rob Manfred had a press conference in which he said that we ha- he has he has chosen the owners have chosen uh, to cancel the first two series of the year, which takes us down to about one fifty six in terms of games. Um, it was uh, immediately met with the kind of anger it should be met with if you're a baseball fan. And at the end of the day, here we are on Thursday, um, and Dan Halem. And the primary lawyer on the union side are having an informal meeting. I don't know what that means. I like to think that they're just like at a little breakfast nook having pancakes. That's I my just hope. picture the same meeting, same meeting as before, except they're both wearing chinos. <laughs> and, and absolutely some kind of quarter zip. And um, and so, 
you know, we are where we are. And I, I it's, and I, I've, I've tried to express this in the past and maybe I haven't done it well. Like people get, look, I mean, people were like super angry on Tuesday. Like Monday night was a lot of fun. They were, they were talking at two in the morning and it was really interesting. Um, and they, they kind of extended their uh, artificial deadline to make a new artificial deadline. It didn't happen on Tuesday and everyone got, suddenly got really mad. And, and I've tried to, I don't say warn, but I, I've tried to at least let people know, like this is how it was always going to go and not to get too emotionally roller coaster over the kind of day after day um, TikTok reporting of what's going on. Right. Yeah. And there was a lot of that. And there was a lot of that. And, and, and again, like those people in, in, in Florida who were actually there, you know, behind the fence, watching people walk back and forth. And, 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 you know, it was fun to watch Bob Nightingale become a Twitter star for 24 hours. Um like that's really good reporting, and it was it, it made for some of the entertainment that was on Monday. Um, but to like for you as as a as a fan of baseball, and I think even for people who work in baseball, to get too worked up onto the back and forth of it, like this, it was the second it, they were locked out, we were on this path. We were gonna we were, we were going to lose a chunk of the regular season. That's how I saw it. Um, and I'm not I'm not here to say, oh, goody, look at me, I'm right. I wish I was wrong. I wish I was really I was really rooting for it. I was like, man, let's I hope we get this done. That would be great. Um, but I still don't think we're, there's any sort of path to disaster. Um, I still think we're going to have Major League Baseball games. I still think in, I, maybe I'm done. I still think in April, you know, end of April, but April, you know, and we're, we're on. So we're still on the path for this kind of 144 to 154 game thing. And I just with all of the, the, the kind of wailing and gnashing of teeth and again, if you're angry about this, your your anger is 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 justified and pure, and I get it. Um, and you have every right to be angry, and you should be angry. It shouldn't have gone like this. I just don't think you should have been surprised by that. Am I crazy? No. Um, I think it's one of these things that the less you look at updates, the better you'll do. A thing that I heard about <laughs> stock market investing uh, right when I started out of college in finance was uh, the people who are the best are uh, like, you'll do best if you just look less. Yeah. That was, I mean, I did, uh, you know, and yeah, I don't, if, if you followed every one of these, like, Oh, the union has given up $1.3 million in the seventh year of the CBT. Oh, the league is countered by changing the draft lottery from five teams to five and a half teams, depending on like, <laughs> it, it's perform so, on Wednesdays. Right. It's just so, and they're, all these things are, like, re, like they're not fake. No one's making them up. I mean, hmm, I don't know about some of the leaks. Uh, <laughs> some of the leaks have been misleading on purpose. But it's just easier to, I think, be rational about this if you follow the beat by beat less. And, you know, that's not always possible just because of our jobs. But right. To the extent that it is possible, I've been trying to do that just because, man, this, uh, like, are we surprised that... A contentious labor fight with uh, some tough labor negotiators on the league side and some really determined ones on the uh, the PA side is kind of taking a while to play out. Particularly given that the league's initial plan was to make it take a while to play out. Like no, mm. like that that that's what, what was supposed to happen. Yeah, and and I'm a person in my fifties, and and I'm not gonna lie, I'm not good with money, and I've never. Um, I've had some options of companies that I worked for, right? But other than that, I've never really owned individual stocks. Um, my money's been in things like mutual funds and index funds and things like that. Right. And, ev- and even with those, like the smart people say, just put your money in there and don't look at it. 
It's yeah. gonna like like the day to day will kill you, but it's gonna slow, it's always going to slowly gradually go up. I promise you. And um, and that's worked for me. Like I don't, I'm not, you know, people. If someone talks to me today, and stocks were really down today, unless it was like huge news and it was like collapsing and they were putting like the brakes on or something, I had no idea. Right. Not a clue in the world. I don't pay attention to it at all. Yeah, I'm very similar, and I have found that I enjoy, or not enjoy, but I, I, my mood is much better when I follow labor negotiations in baseball in a similar way. So how do you follow them? Do you just kind of like, do you update yourself at the end of the day? Were you sitting, you were, so you were not sitting around having fun on Twitter Monday night. I went to sleep Monday night. Um, okay. So if it had been a done deal Monday night before, I don't know, like 11 Pacific, 10 Pacific, I was going to write something about it. And so I was following a little bit, but I thought, like, I don't know, am I going to spend four hours watching, you know, Evan Drellick report on what socks Morgan Sword, great name, uh, is it's wearing? A great name, yeah. Like, no. So I thought, uh, I'll, like, check once an hour to see if anything meaningful is happening. And then, eh, you know, if something happens, I'm going to have to read all the details of the final deal. So I will, I will do it then. And then at some point, I just thought, eh, you know, this is not happening tonight. Like, this is just... Just kind of theater. And I don't know. I'll catch up on it in the morning. I think Did that the next day I was following it a little too closely. Just because I thought something might actually happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Oops. Uh, and so I was following every beat and every Bob Nightingale report. And that was kind of a waste, uh, if I'm being honest. That, yeah, I hear that you. That felt like I could have been playing Elden Ring. <laughs> Which we'll get into later. Uh, I mean, did you... Did you at least catch, did you catch yourself up before you went to bed on Monday? And if so, did you did you close your eyes and, and go into dreamland thinking that you would wake up to a deal? So I yes i I caught up on the most recent like things reported by I don't know three or four people who I follow who were there, uh, like the Cardinals beat reporter who I really like, Derek Gold was there because it's at the Cardinal spring training place. So I right. checked like a few people who I like, Derek's obviously too. But, uh, and then I thought, uh, like, I don't know. I'm confused by these reports that they're close because I've been doing a lot of the kind of economic modeling of how far apart these two sides are. Mm -hmm. And it, it didn't feel like the, the gives that the owners were giving were enough to make up for the stuff they still wanted. And so I thought, this is weird. Like, are they giving up on a lot of stuff behind the scenes that I don't know about? Like, maybe. But I don't know. I don't see how this becomes a deal. And so I just figured, eh, okay, fine. They, they probably have one last big move left tomorrow that they haven't made. And that's why sides are reporting that it's close. I mean, that wasn't the case, but I don't know. It, it felt to me a little bit less close than reported, even at the time, just because... It seems that way, yeah. Um, I don't know. But, like it, it seemed like I would have heard more about the international draft if it was going to be agreed. I don't know if that's true or not, just because, and I've, I've said this before on the show, like two CBAs ago, so a decade ago, right? Mm -hmm. um, they actually had like their little press, their joint presser saying we've come to an agreement and baseball is back and all that kind of stuff. And then they actually went back to the table and did the draft. Because right, that, that's how much of a kind of an afterthought it is for them. But at this point, I think it's something for the, that the players are going to give. And so it, it actually is a bigger chip for them. Yeah, I just think it's enough of a chip here. Like the owners want all this cost certainty, basically, and cost suppression, if we're being honest. And so the players can't negotiate that after. It has to be part of the main deal. 
Right. So it just it, it was surprising to me that there was no reporting on that. And that made me a little bit skeptical that a deal was going to happen. Right. And to be fair, like there's all sorts of stuff. It's not stuff that would necessarily matter for uh, some sort of economic analysis of the of the agreement. But even after the agreement, it happens and gets ratified and teams show up in spring training. The agreement will not be really kind of, um, quote unquote, published, um, which is not the best way to put it. It's not like it's out there for everybody. But the whole agreement will not be done and and kind of locked in stone really until the summer. Um, there's all sorts of legal back and forth and changing these to those and stuff like that before it actually gets done done. Right. But most of that won't be meaningful. But that won't be. None right? of that will change the structure of it. No. Yeah. And presumably the owners will lift the lockout as soon as an agreement in principle is reached. Not, not, not wait until all the ink is dried on the final paperwork. Right. And, and once this happened, the players, uh, or a lot of the players, the ones who have been active on social media, and even some who have not been, um, were once again active on social media, which I think, again, I think is a brilliant move from a public relations standpoint. Um, but one of the more interesting things I saw was just um, Ross Stripling coming in and saying that they tried to, the owners tried to pull a quick one, really. Um, and with their, their best and final offer, all of a sudden, it told, we're suddenly including things in that had never been discussed. Um, and I, I don't, I can't act like I'm super shocked about that, but it was still surprising that it just, you would like to see after nine days them to at least, you know, if, if Ross is correct, at least reach a point where we're at least having good faith, right? Yeah. My guess is that the owners never thought they were coming to an agreement. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not particularly close, like, what does it matter? You know? <laughs> I don't know. You can still, as somebody currently in the home search process, you can at least be a decent human being about it, right? Well, yeah, but I don't know. Like, the amount of league leaks about how the players were changing mm-hmm. their tune when it was pretty clear they weren't just kind of ruined any chance of good faith like right do you find it different that uh the owners leaked some untrue things about how close the players were to a deal versus the owners leaked some untrue things about players oh, no. they're close to a deal and they changed some paperwork i don't know they look like villains either way so why not yeah, no, just I, go for it i think that that story getting out that they were close was really um designed to again like there's there is a you know, a, a battles of hearts and minds here. That's part of this negotiation that is outside both of them. Right. And that's in terms of all the people who love baseball. And, and I do think that was a, that was a hearts and mind move where they tried to do that. And then when they said, and when it didn't happen, they could go, Oh, you know, we've tried our best and the players just won't budge, you know, and, and, and to try to put it on them. Um, but again, I do think that, you know, looking at the stuff that came out, uh, once Manfred canceled games, like some really, um, like strongly worded pieces by by some bigger names out there, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Jeff Pass had a really strong piece. Uh, Andy McCullough had a really strong piece. Like there was, I, again, I feel like the owners are still living in the past where they really had the the general baseball public on their side in terms of well these are just spoiled millionaires playing a kid's game i'd play for free and all that kind of bullshit right um and i just don't think that's the case anymore i'm not saying they still don't have a lot of those people because they really do and and you can't get trapped in your little your little baseball twitter bubble which represents a minuscule percentage of the baseball public but at the same time i just don't think they have this backing that they once thought they did i think i think people are seeing through 
and realizing that it's the owner's fault that they can't just say, Hey, we don't make any money in this business and have it printed in the paper and not questioned. Like that just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. Passon has been on this podcast, right? He has. Yeah. So esteemed podcast guest, Jeff Passon and esteemed podcast guest, Ken Rosenthal, who people do host. Jeff co-hosted a whole show. Yeah. People do read like those, those guys, they're not industry reads them too. And so like, they're seeing this, this is not just, they're not little, like little pockets of, you know, baseball Twitter. Those Mm -hmm. guys are the, the two reporters who report about baseball. And they both came out pretty strongly. Yeah, I was saying that this is on the owners. They 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 brought this on themselves. Yeah, you have to like you have to take that seriously. Both of those guys are not niche. They're they're the two mainstream print journalists of baseball. Although I guess Ken has pivoted to video and back. <laughs> um. So you know, what is your? I mean, I heard, I said my sense. I I haven't moved my needle one forty four to one fifty four, but I did talk to. <clears throat> a person in the game who I would call a very, very smart person who's very, um, you know, knows what's going on just like we do and said, like, it just feels like we're on a path towards kind of mutually assured self-destruction. And I was just kind of surprised at, at his level of pessimism. Do you, do you see any path to that right now? Yeah, I think that I'm a little bit more pessimistic than you now for basically the reason that the owners haven't acted as though they want to be time constrained. And I think it would be very strange for them to suddenly soften in negotiations and attempt to get baseball back to the field. I think they've been kind of intransigent the whole time, and that's been their strategy. Until, like, money gets threatened, I don't see what's going to... Why would a deal that didn't work for them on Monday suddenly work for them next week? Like... I don't know. Are yeah, they, they going to cancel another April game in Detroit? Like, I don't know. I mean, I did learn something. I, I, you know, I think it's good sometimes to learn something and go, oh, shit, I didn't know that. And and this week something happened where I said, oh, shit, I didn't know that, uh, which I learned that it looks like the RSNs are not – Oh, like the baseball teams do not have to give any sort of refund to the RSNs until somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 games are missed. Yeah, I saw that. And that also kind of means if I'm the players – I want to miss 30 games at this point. Right, right, right. Like you just, you, you, you cut six and you caught yourself nothing. Right. Like when, when the, the owners are doing this, like trying to hit the players and you know, they're going to try to pay the players less, right? They're going to say, oh, there's only 154 games. You're getting 154 over 162. Right. Uh, at no cost to themselves. You're kind of asking to have it go 30 and. Right. How much? I have to assume that a lot of both RSNs, but also national uh, deals and gambling deals are all going to start looking like at Major League Baseball, like guys, what the hell is going on? If uh, if things kind of head that way, and to me, that's kind of the next leverage point. So, I mean, I don't think mm-hmm. we're looking at no season, but the chance of missing one or two months seems to me to have ticked up. And I, well, I've I've asked this question to you know to so many people on the show, and I just think it's a fun question. So, um, some gambling people call you, right? And they go, hey, Ben Clemens, we'd like some help from you. What, what should we set the over-under on for opening day? What would you say? <laughs> There's some weird conflicts of interest there. I don't know how much okay, well, that, well, okay. getting. If I'm setting let's, it. Let, no, no, no. no let, let's, we're going to get rid of the conflicts of interest. Yeah. Ready? Oh, hey, Ben, we'd like you to, to help us at the over-under. And we're going to give you $150 million. Yeah, okay. Perfect. And also, they don't have any information from baseball or anything. We're just setting it. You're just setting it. We're not giving you... Yeah, you're not being told anything you don't have. Yeah. So I think I would set 
the day that the first game is played at like May 15th. Hmm. So you're at like somewhere around like 120 games then. Yeah. I think they they might pack more games in there in an attempt to I'm sure that they will. Like no matter what the date is, I think they're going to try to compress the schedule. Yeah. I'm I'm st- I'm going to I'm still like April 28th. Yeah, so I don't even know what day of the week that is, but let's just say I think that. the like the mode is probably a little earlier. Mm. But I think there's some long tails basically. Right. And so Yeah. So you think there are, are do you think there's a path to a disaster? Like a real disaster? Like 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 I'm sitting like I'm sending you a Slack message on July going, "Hey Ben, you want to do the show? I don't know what we're going to talk about, but uh you want to do the show?" Like yes, but not very likely. Maybe 5% okay. or something. I don't know. I think it's hard to handicap that. I I think it would have to involve like weird bargaining stuff that I don't understand. Right. And I don't know, like Eugene Friedman seems to think it's more likely than I do. And he knows how this stuff works. But, you know, if you're a labor negotiator with a hammer, then every impasse looks like a nail. That's really bad mixed metaphor. The point is, if you know how these things work at the end game, you start seeing the end game and everything, even though it rarely happens. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that he is a little bit blinkered by his, uh, by his yeah, chosen so. profession, but it, it's definitely yes. not impossible. And it, I am a little bit worried by the fact that there is some reporting coming out about like a, a schism within the owners. And if you have ten small budget owners, that's all you need. That's all who you are need. just you like the salary cap should eight, be one hundred ten million dollars, and we won't play baseball until it is like right. <laughs> right. And you actually only need eight. So it's, it's a really important thing to always remember, which is that any sort of um, you know, we know what the players need to vote on. For the owners to approve it, they need 23 or 30. Um, so you only need eight uh, eight Joe Manchin owners to, to screw this whole thing up. Um, and, and, and there's plenty of reason to believe that they might have eight. Do you think the world would improve if we traded Bob Nutting to the Senate and Joe Manchin to MLB? I think it would probably be kind of similar <sighs> feeling. Yeah, I think that's just a wash, right? Um. So I want to talk about something that you wrote because this is, and this is, this is certainly, you know, directly related if, uh, at the very least adjacent in the sense that, you know, we still hear and they're still, they still try to put this out there. And, 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 you know, Rob Manfred like did it again at the press conference, even though everyone knows it's not the truth saying like, it's not a great sport as far as making money goes um, when revenues are through the goddamn roof. Um, and, you know, one thing working against him, uh, and we've talked about this with you, particularly with an email even about their stock price, but um, is the Braves are a publicly held company. Uh, as a publicly held company, they have to, um, their earnings are public. Unlike. Is that, that's right? <laughs> that is accurate. Um, they they report, I'm not like a, a stocks financial analyst it's kind of person. like an S1 or something. I don't really remember. 10K. Yeah. Mm. Classic number letter combination. They report. Yeah. S1, 10K. Not like, you know, they don't say, like, here's how many hot dogs we sold. It's not that detailed. But it does say, like, you know, here's how much money we made from operating stuff. And it has to be audited. It's not fake. You can't just say it whatever you want. But you can kind of hide stuff. You can, like... You know, it's like, it's like you know, it's like whatever. It's like uh, the Dodgers. And the Dodgers are not the only team to do this, but, like... Um, there's a separate company called like Dodgers Parking LLC, and all the revenue goes to that. Oh, right, yeah. So it, you it's know, not like a perfect picture. Um, right. The Braves, as a publicly traded company, have a little bit more duty to be a little bit less sketchy about that stuff. 
Mm-hmm. It's it's a bit stranger to be a if you have you know stockholder fiduciary responsibilities and then you're doing that sketchy stuff, right? And and and, and the FTC watching over. Yeah, your I'm not going to claim to understand exactly how that stuff works. I do have an answer for that uh, that question from a few podcasts ago. Well, let's get into that in a second. Yeah. I, I do want to hit that, but like, so what did we learn from? The 10K filing by the Atlanta Braves. I mean, the Braves continue to make a lot of money. Uh, the Braves were making a lot of money, particularly because they opened a new stadium. But just in general, they were making a lot of money before the pandemic. They had a, a hiccup in the pandemic. Not even that bad, honestly. And then they're back with a banner year again this year. And they won the World Series. They won the World Series. And so in looking at it, I attempted. And they also had uh, the second highest attendance in baseball after the Dodgers. Atlanta and Georgia as a whole got rid of COVID restrictions faster than everywhere else. Right. So that helped. Um, so that gave them kind of extra earning. But they made like $110 million just in kind of operating profits. Profit, profit. They didn't make 110. That was their, that's their, yes, yeah, that's their profit. That's their revenue minus expenses. Their OIBDA, if you're, uh, if you're into financial acronyms, which I am not really. Operating income before depreciation and amortization. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so, like, that's kind of not exactly the right way to think about things. If you, like, if you bought a factory that will literally break in 10 years because it'll just be too old, uh, then the depreciation to that factory is real. And so, like, you should count some of the stuff that the Braves, like, the stadium is worth a little bit less every year to the Braves. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can't actually look at depreciation and amortization in baseball teams because you're allowed to depreciate the purchase price of the team or amortize it down to zero, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So every year... I have no idea what that means, but okay. Okay, every year, the Braves can say, we lost $30 million. And what is that? Well, it's a 115th share of the purchase price of the team. So they can claim $30 million in tax losses every year because they bought a baseball team 15 years ago. Mm. Uh, it expires after 15 years, which is a, you know, 30 times 15 is 450. But how silly is that? Like they get to claim that. So that's kind of what Manfred's saying. If you count the fact that each owner gets to like cut their purchase price of the team as losses every year. Yeah. Then maybe baseball is a little bit less profitable, but that's, that's dumb, Kevin. That's really <laughs> dumb. If you buy a house, it's just, it's, it's just not reality. If you buy a house. Then five years from now, and you pay cash up front for that house. Five years from now, you don't get to say, oh, God, I got killed on this house this year. What? No. Right. No, you didn't. <laughs> you already own it. <laughs> right. Um, and so I, I've been I, I've been told by people who, who understand this kind of stuff that, and again, the Braves won the World Series, that a World Series title for an individual team can, is worth somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to $50 million. So I estimated a little bit less than that in 2021 profits. But it'll mm. it'll carry over. They'll have more season tickets for this year, right? Right, and then I, I think that might have been like including that kind of stuff yeah. too, and like to, in in total. That really looks like it's in range. If you look at kind of what they made per game, the extra games gave them some money this year, and they also you know they packed the stadium more because they were a playoff team, and they right, will right, again right. next year. Yeah, so I'm not claiming that every team in baseball made that much. They had like better than average attendance. They have their the battery. Uh, area around the stadium which is i mean essentially just braves owned real estate that they right to people right to, this is similar to the to the to the 
pandemic Cubs owner Ricketts uh, biblical losses thing because he had so much debt to service because he basically bought up half of Wrigleyville, some of the hottest real estate in the country. Exactly. Same with the Cardinals and Ballpark Village, minus the hottest real mm-hmm. estate in the country part. Sorry, St. Louis. But still, like if you've been there, and I, I know you have, like it's all that's all, like there. It's like um, it's like visiting a theme park. It's like you're in Cardinals land all of a sudden oh, yeah. for, for like a solid two or three square blocks all around the stadium is Cardinals land, right? Yeah, and and they own all that. Yeah, and the Braves have a similar thing. Theirs is even weirder because yeah, they're out in the suburban like they're an oasis it's, of tall. It's things. even more theme parky. Yeah, but that kind of stuff like they make money on that, but a lot of teams at this point, are making money on things like that. The Braves claim to have a bad TV deal, even. I, I don't completely buy it. Everyone claims to have a bad TV deal. That's how that works. Yeah, no one likes their TV deal. But, you know, they don't have... A, certainly, they don't have an industry-leading TV deal. And yet, like, they made a ton of money on that. They're net making a ton of money. Uh, th- things are good for the baseball business. If you look mm-hmm. at the amount of money that they're making by paying baseball players, taking in money for baseball games and making new investments if you want to count other weird stuff that i don't know that owners certainly can and are in their rights to on financial statements and in their you know non under oath public speaking points sure whatever but no the baseball business is doing great of course it is um i don't i don't mean to throw you a curveball here or hit you up with something that you might not be an expert on but do like do you understand the tv deal world um to some extent it depends. Just in the sense that, like, it's been like it's been explained to me that this is like the biggest worry in terms of people who own baseball teams and and run the finances of baseball teams is that that the the world of TV revenue is a bubble. Yeah. And and in in a world where more and more people are online and more and more people are unplugging their cable and stuff like that, that that bubble is going to burst at some point. Um, and other people have told me that that's not the case in the sense that, yes, there are people leaving cable TV and, and yes, all that's true. But, you know, who's staying? People who watch live sports. Yeah. So like that's cable's biggest selling point right now is live sports. Um, and like the biggest part of your cable bills is are things like ESPN oh, yeah. and, and, and the sports networks. NBC Bay Area, Bay Area for me. Because the, it's the right NBC Bay Because that's the one thing the way it's been played is like that's the one thing live sports is huge for television. It's the one thing that people watch as it's happening, so it's the one thing people sit through the ads for. Yeah, the way that it, I understand it is that the like television's share of the media pie is shrinking, right? But entertainment, live entertainment's share of the television pie is expanding so quickly that it's massively outstripping any losses in television. Mm. I don't know that that's going to happen long term, and yet if I were worried about the long term health of not health, I mean whatever, like. Baseball could have half the revenue that it has and be perfectly healthy. And, like, owners and players could just all make less. And, you know, that would be okay. Um, but the thing that will keep, like, team revenues from increasing forever is that at some point you can't double your sports contract deal every 10 years. Like, right. It's, yeah, the, the bubble is going to burst. They're, and they're not the, the TV is not going to be the chunk of revenue it has. And Yeah. It could like, be a leveling I, off. It doesn't need to be a bubble. I, I know they're planning on helping to make try to make up for that with all of the various streaming stuff. Yeah. Um, I do think that some people who, like, look at baseball revenues as just increasing forever are being a little too credulous. And yeah, I sure. like to say, like, you know, we're talking about how come the CBA hasn't, or like, how come various things in the CBA haven't kept up with league revenues? Well, you shouldn't actually think that they're going to keep up with league revenues all the time because they don't 
move the same way both ways, but they've been way too low. Right, but it's, they've been they have been way too low, but it's not a continuous linear linear thing. Yeah, expecting things to continue at this rate forever is inaccurate and incorrect, and I think people who do it are kind of being unfair. But I mean, TV deals have expanded a lot in the past fifteen years, and what the owners are trying to do is not have to account for that. Essentially, just pocket all that money and uh, keep playing baseball like like the revenue streams were the same as they were in the early two thousands. You know. So so back to the Braves, and we wanted, we wanted to kind of revisit an email we got um, a couple months ago from a listener who was like, hey, you assholes keep telling us baseball's like like a license to print money, which is something I say all the time, and I will nod my head and I say I still support that statement. Shouldn't I buy a bunch of Brave stock then? Right. And we were like, you should contact a financial <laughs> advisor before you're making any <laughs> investments, and all investments come with risk. Um, and But you... Found out some recent things about how the Brave stock price is set. And again, because I don't really understand how the financial world works, but this doesn't seem right. Um, but like, it's like, see, it sounds like the Brave stock really has nothing to do with how well they're doing financially. Um, that's like a slate. So I don't exactly. Is that, is that, is that reductive? It <laughs> it's reductive for sure. But I think. Anything that we do on this uh, this baseball podcast that we're going to record in you know, probably under an hour will be reductive about this. <laughs> Essentially, there was a reference share. So Liberty Media is the company that owns the Braves. Right. And they own a few things. They own Many an things. F1 team. They own uh, Sirius XM Radio. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, I did actually did know that one. Yes, yeah, so they, they own many brands. And for whatever reason, what they've decided to do is instead of just trading as one stock... They let you reference the individual business lines with uh, these things called tracking stocks. Um, again, please don't quote me on this or use this as financial advice. This is not financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor. Please but, consult a financial advisor before investing your money. All investments come with risk. Yeah, the, um, their, their regulatory filings indicate that uh, the relative stock prices of each of these tracking stocks and their relative, like, seniority in the case that the company's wound down or sold or anything like that is based on a ratio that they set in like 2016 and they were just like all right well the braves are 30 percent of the stock and f1 is 40 and sirius is 30 and so it's just a ratio of overall liberty media stuff so do the stocks move in unison like if 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 brave stock is up six percent does that mean sirius and their f1 thing is up six percent so they should, roughly. They don't have to entirely because it's not the only thing that... That's only, you know, if they get wound down or whatnot. And but I don't know how they related, pay dividends. Right? They're very related. It would be very hard to, to, to picture a thing where, like, you know, Sirius was up 20% and Braves was down 20%. That yes, wouldn't make sense. So I'm trying to figure out the exact relationship of them as we um, as we talk here. So in the last five years... Um, Liberty Media F1 Series A is up 75%. That's a good number. It's a good good investment. Hmm. The Braves are up 20%. That's strange. Um, See, nothing makes sense. So again, please consult a financial advisor because we don't understand this shit. But I don't know how the dividends work on any of them either. There's some some weird stuff going on. Um, I guess the point is this. Like, I don't think that they all track each other exactly. That's not really how this works. I also don't think that... They're also not tracking only to themselves. They're also not tracking only to themselves. Exactly. And so 
it is neat that they report these things. If you think that the overall Liberty Media thing is a good deal for you, then sure, maybe that makes sense. I don't really... I would not try to look at the performance of this stock and say, this is how baseball teams have done. I guess the best way to put it would be like, if, you, if you're thinking about investing in the Braves, be, uh, just understand that what you're really investing in is Liberty Media, is a giant holding company. Yes, and a lot of things they do are sports-related, but not all of them. Um, so let's, let's, I'm going to get back to this 10K for a second. So the, the, we had the Braves with a $100 million profit. Um, is it, and again, obviously the, the, the stadium boom, the World Series boom, and the lack of COVID protocols boom, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, is it fair to say every baseball team's making money? Do you think? Uh, they should be. I mean, I don't know if teams are doing weird, disastrous real estate deals or something like that. I, it's inconceivable to me that a team would end up in a place where in 2021 they weren't making money. Um, like, 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 I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I, I, I think every team makes money. I'm playing devil's advocate. Okay. Yeah. Does that include like the pirates? Uh, definitely. Yes. Um, ah. I think the pirates might be one of the most profitable teams in baseball. Hmm. And what do you base that on? So, cause by you're like, you know, I, I, I said that again, like, but uh, the knee jerk reaction is like, right. Is, you know, like the pirates. Yeah. It's the, the pirates. And like, they don't like, you know, they don't, they don't draw well. They don't draw um, well at all. I imagine they don't have a good TV contract. Yeah. Um, so most of this comes down to the fact that national TV deals of various stripes give every team roughly $60 million. Right. Every team gets that. Those are split right down the line. It's 130th. Even though the Yankees and the Red Sox are on every Sunday night game, the ESPN contract is split 130th evenly. Exactly. So that's, that's a huge tailwind to start with. Um, I mean, yeah, the Pirates surely have a bad TV deal. And I don't know if it's been reported exactly anywhere. I'm not going to look it up right now. I'm going to be honest no. with you. Um, it's fine. It's not good. But the lowest deals are in the $20 million a year range. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, the Pirates have not released their new deal, but their old deal paid them $20 million a year. So they're probably going to, it's probably more than that. And then the Pirates also receive revenue sharing because they're a small market team. So they're probably starting with, I don't know, $100, $120 million in receipts for things that just that's their just that's their just for existing revenue right now it's because they're baseball teams but it's not from doing baseball things it's just Mm -hmm. that every baseball team in a market the size of pittsburgh gets that money to start with so great they've got a a nice uh nice chunk that they're starting with the pirates spent what 30 million dollars on payroll last year 34 yeah yeah so okay before anything happens they're up I don't know, let's call it $80 million. Now, if you think Bob Nutting could somehow spend $80 million on development staff, people at the stadium, not taking any ticket revenue, you know, we haven't expensive, covered ticket right? revenue here. Exactly. Any and merchandise. A, you know, and to be fair, like all that shit's expensive. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, it's like, it's a lot of money there, but like 80 is a tough, tough. But I'll tell you this. I before, don't think they lose you put money by getting people into the stadium. Right. Right. Like that, that seems unlikely. And, I mean, surely they have academies and stuff they're spending money on, signing bonuses for draft picks. Like, mm-hmm. it's not nothing, but, you know, it's not that much. What's the what's the bonus that the first overall pick in the draft gets? Right, you got like $6 million. Yeah, that's, uh, that's less than $80 million. Uh Right, they probably spent, like, I would guess on, like, 
full amateur player acquisition, um, I would guess was somewhere in the neighborhood of fifteen million. Yeah, and top it's, of top of my head. Right, and so that you know that that's a real cost. You can add the payroll if you want. They're still just wildly in the black, assuming they don't sell any tickets. And right, we 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 have not put a button in the seat yet. We have not taken any parking money or sold a t-shirt right i think the teams that are more likely to be losing money are the ones with big markets that spend a lot like Um, like the dodgers it wouldn't shock me if the dodgers lost money in 2022 or 2021 although they had huge attendance but like the giants let's say way the dodgers make a ton of money yeah they're a bad example because they they solved their tv deal and they also had a lot of fans in the stadium What about like the angels right like teams that that need or not teams that need, but teams that benefit from fans in the stands. And baseball really does benefit from fans in the stands. And so, like, that part was still depressed in 2021, particularly in California. Uh, yeah, the Angels, who, you know, they, if they stopped at 120 in the way that the Pirates did uh, in their revenue, they'd be down because they spend mm. actual money to play. The Pirates right. choose not to spend money to play baseball. You know, it's, right. it's, a, it's, a, it's an organizational philosophy. It's a vibe. It's, I think it's a crappy one, but it's their prerogative. The Angels choose to spend. And so you can see a world where there just weren't enough fans and they're down a little. Mm -hmm. But I think one thing that the Braves numbers told us for sure is that when you get fans back in the stands, it's going to be a a profit time again. You know, the Braves have a big salary and they're not drawing like a record amount of fans. They they drew 30,000 fans a game. Plenty of teams will hit that in a normal year, right? Right. Yeah. And so it's possible to make just an absolute killing despite a large salary without wild fan numbers. And it, it seems like if, yeah, like you said, man, COVID is kind of just an ongoing thing that keeps changing baseball. But if there's some, anything approaching full attendance in the stands over a season, it's just shocking to me that any team would lose money. Right. Um, the biggest piece of, of non-labor news that some I got connected to labor news um other than the Orioles signing buddy bauman to a minor league contract was uh derek jeter unexpectedly i'm not even sure i want to use that term stepping down uh as the president of the miami marlins um and i don't know why i go to the point oh okay stepping down i get it um but what happened was without getting into derek jeter's choice was that he then released a statement saying and I'm paraphrasing here totally, just that like this, the, the direction I was told they were going to go is not the direction they're going. Um, it certainly seems like maybe uh, the, the Martins willing to spend might have been part of that statement. And then it got, because of where we are labor-wise, like politicized, right? Yes. And all of a sudden, like it was like, oh, Derek Jeter's on the player's side. Now he's, he's standing up for the players and stepping down. That's, hey, that's not what happened. Like, And I get that he maybe had some issues with... Um, where the Marlins wanted to go payroll-wise, there were some other issues that had nothing to do with where the Marlins wanted to go payroll-wise as well. Right. And, um, but this all got, like, turned into, you know, Derek, you just think, you know, standing up for the for the players. And and I just, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Like, if if you want to, the players to, like, full tanky like rise up and seize the means of production (laughs) um i'm not saying you're wrong but i am saying you're going to be gravely disappointed when this agreement is reached that's not what's going to happen it's not what they're going to do 
as cool as some of Walker Bueller's shirt, you know, statements have been, he's not, you're not going to see him in spring training with like a really cool shirt of Karl Marx and a Dodgers hat, right? right. It's just, that's not going to happen. They do not have the politics you do. And that's okay. Um, it's fine to say you think baseball should be like this and every team should be a public trust or, or, or the player should control the whole thing or the owners are bad. All that stuff might be totally right and totally just. Absolutely. But if you, you know, but if that's your aim and you think it's a realistic one for the, how this thing's going to go, like, I, it, you're going to be really, really mad when this agreement gets done because it's not going to be anything close to that. Right. It's going to be like a, a gradual increase in the luxury tax. I don't know. Competitive balance tax seems silly. It doesn't increase competitive balance. So luxury tax. Um, Salary and, cap. Yeah. Whatever you want to call it. Exactly. And I don't know, some increased minimums and they'll get this yeah. ARB pool, which is fine with me. I, I'd rather see them just expand ARB eligibility. But you know, Yeah, me too. Whatever. I mean, those are they're different ways of getting the same thing. In any right. case, there's, like there's not going to be some, there's not going to be some like glorious revolution, structural change to baseball. Yeah, this is not a sea change. I think if it were, that would be if this somehow reaches like federal court. But like I said, I, I think that's a pretty pretty unlikely scenario. Mm-hmm. Do you? Uh, do you I mean, do you have any feelings about Derek Jeter stepping down other than the politicizing of it? Um, I always thought it was kind of funny that. People were like, Jeter is going to the Marlins and they're going to like, they're going to put together a big spending, not big spending, but like reasonable spending for Miami team. Mm. And then their salaries have just been down, 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 down every year since they've added Jeter. And I don't know, like Derek Jeter, very good baseball player, you know, deserving Hall of Famer, maybe, maybe slightly overrated in his place in the Hall of Fame. I know you love the Hall, so let's Uh let's make sure to get that in here. Uh, But I don't think that it was obvious to me from the start. Like, I didn't see that they had Jeter and think, well, this team can't lose. Right, I right. like, it, oh, you know, that's neat. I, I wonder if he'll be good at it. Yeah. And I don't get a sense that he was over. a complete disaster or anything. No, no, not at all. He was quite good. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, if I were Derek Jeter and I'm used to, you know, success at everything I ever do, and I join the Marlins and these just miserable, like, money dude so i don't like that much in the first place they're like oh mm. we can't spend that much this time derek oh i don't know derek the point of this team is to build an ongoing money making winner oh i don't know derek like let's let's not add any players this year that's crazy with cory dickerson we can add him but we're gonna have to trade him mid-season like I, I can just imagine he's like i'm done with this like there wasn't kind of the, <laughs> the control i wanted we didn't do quite as well as i hoped and like this wasn't quite what i hoped it was it's not that weird. yeah and I also think, like, you have to remember, like, if you're Derek Jeter, um, you made over a quarter billion dollars baseball salary alone. Forget about all the, you know, right. the money solely off of being Derek Jeter. Just a baseball thing. You made over a quarter billion dollars in your life. Um, and when I see people like that, I think they have every, you know, they have all the ability in the world to just kind of at some point, like, get out of the shower and look in the mirror and go, what am I doing? Like, I don't need to do this because I don't need to do this. Um, and if it's not a hundred percent right, then you just go. Um, yeah. And then, you know, and that, that's a big part of it too. I think at times that's my sense. It's just that like, why did, why does he need to like, do you think, I mean, obviously a lot of us would like to be GM of the Marlins, but of the GM jobs, like once you're adjusting for that, it doesn't seem that great or I don't know what his, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird, yeah, it's a weird team. You know, it's such a funny place. Um, 
uh, someone who I, I know well, who has lived in Miami all their life and is in, in baseball and connected baseball said like, I guess this always like surprises me. I guess, the, as you know, like they, they don't draw well, right? Yeah. <clears throat> they never have. Um, but you know what they do really well? The Miami Marlins radio. They people, the radio, people have the games on people listen to the games. People like the game, the, the team is like people talk about the team within the culture of Miami. They just don't go to the games. It's a very strange thing. That is very strange. Um, that's it for baseball. But let's since you said that is very strange, we do want to have we are going to have a shared moment of culture here. I like it. Um, if you heard the show before, you know that Ben plays video games. You know that I play video games, and there is a game that is uh, that came out a couple weeks ago, and is you know it is definitely kind of the, the, the dominant force in the video game zeitgeist right now. And it's a game called Elden Ring, um, which is the latest uh, game delivered. Uh, I, you can't say, you can't, I'm trying to avoid saying the word twice, but you have to. It's from a company called From Software. Um, and they make something that the video game world calls, calls Souls Games um, because all these games were called Demon Souls, Dark Souls, etc. until recently. Um, but Elden Ring is, a, is another Souls game. If you've not played one of these or seen one of these, they are um, a one-of-a-kind genre. No one else... People have tried to copy it and failed. Um, but a, a, basically, um, they are known for their, their difficulty, but fair difficulty. You will fail a lot. You will reach the fail state this game, which in this case is, is dying because you're a character who fights things. Um, but you will reach the fail state in this game time and time again. Yeah, they seem and to it, take great joy in the "you died" screen. Yeah, I mean, the, for a long time, the box, the boxes, the Souls game said "prepare to die," um, and and but it, it somehow pulls off kind of a genius trick um, of every time you die, you're bad at yourself and not the game. You like, there's plenty of games that I think are harder than Souls games. The Souls games are very hard, but you like you die and you just go, "Oh, that's bullshit. That's ridiculous." And every time you die in this game, I just go, nah, "I know what I did wrong," or "I'm not ready to do this yet." And, but I know how to get ready, right? And, but they're also known beyond their, their, their kind of, their difficulty curve. They're known for their um, obtuseness, if you will. And this one is, I think, the most obtuse because for the first time, it's an open world game. And before, the Souls games are very much, you're on level one. It's amazing looking. If you want to see level two, you're going to have to beat level one. Right. And you so kind of you keep continue to kind of beat your smash your head against the wall in level one, and 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 learn as you go and get better at the game as you go and get stronger and all that good kind of stuff. And eventually you finally get past the big boss of level one, and then you can see the beauty that and interest that is level two. This is a very different vibe in the sense that it's an open world game, and you know so many open world games now like have all of their like you have a map, all these icons and things like that. You know what where everything is. This just kind of drops you in the middle of it and says, okay, go. Yeah, it's and a- that's it. And you don't, we're telling you nothing, go. And that's how they work. And it, they, be, they become part of, you know, partly part of the, they work perfectly in the internet world because people start sharing stuff. Oh, I've learned this. I found this. I learned that. And like to, to talk to people playing this game, they're having completely different experiences. And like, have you found that guy? I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. And like, you know, I, my, my, my kid is, this is my kid's favorite genre in the world. He loves these games. Um, and, and I tell him what I'm doing. So, and he, and he's played for, I don't know, probably five times as long as I have. And he goes, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. And he sees things that you don't see. And, um, 
it's the most open world in the sense that right now, if you wanted to, you could get on your magical little horse and go to the very final boss and fight him. But you, there's no way you'd beat him. But you could do that. Like, it's a completely open world. Nothing's gated off. You can kind of just keep going and going. And it's very freeing. It's also very terrifying in the sense that I kind of find a safe place and I'm afraid to leave it. <laughs> um, but but how how's your experience been with this game so far? So it took me a while to get into it because I took a wrong turn at the start, like you're talking about. <laughs> and just got just wrecked over and over again. And I didn't realize, because the bad guys don't obviously uh, give off the vibe of, like, this is a hard bad guy. Some of them are large. Yeah, yeah some of them are big, and, you know, that's bad. But some of the little things, like, yeah, I, I walked into, a like, a cave just and these two tiny little gremlins, like, hit me twice and I was dead. I was like, okay, not ready to do this yet. Yeah, like, I thought I was just going against some, like, regular troops. And I just kept losing. And then I eventually realized, oh, you're not actually supposed to go to this area. I mean, after dying 15 times in this game or something. Right. It was, uh, it is very unforgiving. Um, I'm really enjoying, I don't know if I've totally gotten into the open world aspect of it yet, uh, but I'm really enjoying just the size of the world. I took a wrong turn and walked past, like, a giant procession with two hundred foot tall elephants pulling a giant <laughs> wagon with oh. 75 horses behind that and foot soldiers and i was just like well, i'm not gonna go near that i'm sure i would die instantly <laughs> but what is this but I, I think that's one of the nice things about the open world is just the sense that again like in the old games you just kind of like you had to get through level one to get through level two it's just if something you, you you find that thing and you're like or, you, or you're at that place you're just getting wrecked you're just going you know what i'm just gonna go east this time yeah so you know, I you start a, messing around there. I am an open world game person who got into this game because I was like, oh, you know, I played one Dark Souls and I liked it okay. But I think it would be interesting to try it in an open world setting. I'm liking it so far. Um, it's really hard. Man, it's really hard. What's and, your character class? Uh, Vagabond. Okay. It's like there's a lot more emphasis on like button precision mm -hmm. than I'm used to in games of this style. It's yeah, it's there. There's also kind of like the combat. I always try to. It's more. It's you. It's definitely a defense and opening combat as opposed to just trying to go in and wreck something. Yeah, that makes like a lot you, of sense. You need to block yeah, you, and dodge a lot. Yeah, blocking. It's very much finding your opening and then hitting, and you have to be very very patient in combat, which can be frustrating. But it, it's it's just like the the great obtuseness of it is something that drives some people crazy but i really love so i like went into a cave and i did some stuff and i beat the little mini boss in the cave and it, i like it, i'll you know it's like well maybe i'll get like a cool sword or a cool and it's just like you found the sewing needle <laughs> i have no idea what the so that's all it says and like you know and if i look at my inventory it just goes the sewing needle you know i do like and the thing is at some point you're gonna find somebody's gonna go oh shit man you have the sewing needle and and you'll get something for it but Maybe I'll find that thing, and maybe I won't. Yeah. I have never played a game of this style that tells you so little about the world as Nothing. it drops you into it. It's very but interesting. I think, I think that's lovely, and I think it really helps with the thing of expression. I've I've completely changed my mindset around the game, where, again, like I, I played like two hours where I found this, like you have these kind of safe spots um, where you can where you can you know, stop and, and reset your health and your equipment and, and, and like your potions and all that stuff. Everything resets. Um, the the dangers it also resets the entire universe. So everything you killed is re, is brought back to life, right? It just resets the entire world, but also resets you. Yeah. Um, and so and and so that's a good thing. So you use these a lot, 
And I got to one place where I found one of the very early ones. It's like in a, an abandoned church. There's a guy there who sells stuff to you who looks like Santa. Yeah. Um, yeah. That. So I was in that one and I was afraid to go more than like a minute away from it. And I spent like two hours not going a minute away from that. And then I found the one where I got the horse, right? Yeah. And I still was afraid to do anything. And last night, I finally kind of worked my way through that group of soldiers near that place where you get the horse. Yeah. And I suddenly felt a lot of confidence. And I said, you know what I, you, you can do? And this is where it gets weird. It's like, I can just get on the horse and just ride past stuff. Yeah. And I just rode around and like expanded my map dramatically and just drew. And it's, it's what's one of the nice things about the game. Again, it's the open world aspect where like sometimes you're just looking around and go, man, what's that over there? And you just go try to find out. You go, oh, I can't do that. Or maybe you can do it and get something for it. And so, like, the goal of the game is just to get stronger so you can continue to get closer to being able to, to quote-unquote, beat the game. Um, I have no idea how long it's going to take. It's going to take some people longer than most. I am mostly using a sword and a shield and a bow. Um, Where do you find a bow? Are... I got I, I got with my starting character. I went with the samurai. Oh, maybe I should have done that. I only have a sword, and I would like to have a bow. So I have a, I, the bow doesn't do a ton, but it gets you, it, it, it's nice to kind of get at times like a little leg up. Like, you, you know, you can shoot him once and take his health down like a third. And then by the time he gets to you, you're only having two thirds of his health to deal with. Right. It seems like it matters a lot in this game. There is a lot of just like, right. attrition where right. it's, like, it's like, I'm better than this guy, but yeah. I'm going to take a little bit beating him. And like, you, you don't get your health back. It does not regenerate. <laughs> right. And, but now I have to beat 12 of them to get where I want to get. Yeah. Right. And I can't afford, I can't afford to take. You know, if they each take down a fifth of my health, I can't take 12 of them down. Yeah. But, like, right near that place you were talking about, um, where you got the horse, if you go the other way, it looks like there's, like, I don't know, four guys with bow and arrow. Yeah. And this giant monster drops down from the ceiling. (laughs) Like, like right away. See, see, this is what I'm talking about. Like, I I went through that tunnel and I didn't get that because I went through on a horse just to see it was over there. Yeah. Have you done that yet? Uh, Beaten that giant monster? No. Have you gone through the tunnel? Not yet. Yeah, get on your horse, go all the way through the tunnel, and like right after that, just a little bit, there's one of those uh, golden trees that gives you an extra flask. Ooh. So like it's a, again, like this is the kind of thing that people experience things totally differently. I, um, my kid got it on the first day it came out, and I went over to to his house and watched him play for a while, um, and like he you know went along the beach and found this dude, and he's really good at these games, terrifyingly good, and he like just took him on and he beat him. And he got like really good armor, right? Okay. And I was messing around and do. I, I mean, I should go down to the beach where like where, where my kid got the good armor, and I beat that guy. And of course, I didn't get the armor. <laughs> and like, I, it took me like six tries, of course. Naturally, I'm not nearly as good as he is. Um, but it, it's it's beautiful visually. The music's great. Um, their games definitely have a an extreme kind of psychedelic fantasy vibe to them. Um. And so far, I'm just having a I'm having a blast. It's not if you, but I think you have to get in the right mindset. I think there are certain people who, if they tried these games, would play it for two hours and say, "I, I don't even dislike this. I hate this." Yeah, if you don't like failing at things, this is not the game for you. Like the right. the correct way to play it involves lots of failure. Right, and I guess every and I just every time I fail, I I, I do think this is one of the most brilliant parts of the Souls games. Just every time I fail, at no point do I go. Oh, that's bullshit. I just yeah. go, uh, I, every time I fail, I go, oh, I know what I did wrong. It is interesting. I know, I know exactly so, what I did wrong. It's so inclined to be uh, hard. It's designed to be hard. Like, the, the point of the game 
is for you to fail a bunch. And so I think, oh, that's fair. Like, I know that this game's supposed to be hard, and, like, I lost in this way. Oh, but I can see how I could beat that guy. Like, I, I, I can see it my, right. I time my blocks badly, or, like, oh, wow, I'm not supposed to be fighting this guy yet. I'm not supposed to, or, or like, and it's also, it's, like, giving you things. Like, to say, hey, I know you want to beat that guy. But like, like, have you, you know, have you tried making your weapon better? Have you tried summoning the three ghost wolves who fight next to you? You know, and all sorts yeah. of stuff. You know, it's things like, it's, like, it's, like, we can help you. Like, well, it's not going to be easy, but we'll help you. The ghost wolves um, are nice. I have a ghost noble. What? See, see, you have things I don't have. And he, <laughs> he doesn't do a lot of damage. But man, the bad guys hate him, so they like just go, only right. go after him. <laughs> so yeah, and so you he must be really behind annoying. him. Yeah, so you sneak um, behind them while he just like yells nobly things at them. It's great. So I mean, I can't recommend the game enough. I think it's it's really it's visually kind of stunning. It's it's a beautiful world they've created. It's a great distraction from life. Um, not for everyone, but I can. I'm very glad I have it so yeah. far. And I, you know, like honestly, like, we might do a, do a show six months from now and talk about where we're Elden Ring. And I, I, it's a good chance I haven't beaten it yet. Ditto. I'm not this. I don't beat these games quickly. I don't play video games that diligently. Like I play them, but sure. Um, like I think they're great, but so, I don't. I mean, next time we talk about it, I probably won't be done either, and it'll be fun though. Like I'm yeah, sure I'll so have fun in the interim. We'll see where we are. Um, so that's Elden Ring available for like the for PlayStation and Xbox platforms, I believe, and PC. PC, yeah. What are you playing on? Uh, PS Five. Okay. You have an Xbox, I'm, right? I, I have an Xbox, yeah, Series X, and um, yeah, it's great. Yeah. So highly recommend it. I think we're done here, Ben. Yeah, Fangraph seal of approval. We're done here. <laughs> I mean, how long Thanks until for... we're streaming Dark Souls or Elden Ring, rather? Oh, I mean, that's the thing. We should get in touch with Dylan because we can hit some buttons and we could be streaming. Uh, we could streaming our Elden Ring on the on the Fangraphs Twitch channel. <laughs> we should do that one night. That'd be funny. It's not hard. I don't think. I don't think so. I think we could try like, it. I think it's like complicated if we want to like be talking over it and dealing with chat. But Lars just like turning my screen on and putting it on Twitch. I don't think is hard. Yeah. Well, sometime um, soon. If baseball isn't back in the next week, I think we should. Yeah. Talk if about baseball it. isn't back at some point. Either Ben or I will stream our Elden Ring game, and you can watch us fail miserably. Um, so we'll talk to you next week. Hopefully, we'll have some good news on the labor front. There, I think there's a chance we get things going the right way. We'll see. Um, don't anticipate a deal, but I, I, I get mad. Like get, I think it's, you can get worked up once once one side says, "Hey, we're not talking anymore." That's when you can get really worried. Until then, just kind of roll with it. It's okay, and we'll be here next week, hopefully, to entertain you a little more. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, agreed. <laughs>